that from? <laughs> That's uh, Louis Farrakhan. Oh, is it? Yeah. Peace be upon him. <laughs> is he dead? Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> no he's not dead. Come on, man. <laughs> he's getting up in his years, though, isn't he? He is. I think he's actually over 80. Oh, wow. Damn. Well, the Black Panthers um, are trying to kill him, I think, right? I don't think that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> that might be correct. Um, I'm going to be very careful with my comments about the minister. Um, I don't want the fruit of Islam visiting me. Fourth episode of the Unwise Index starting now. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Akshay, joined by Monik. Yeah, I'm here too. You're here too. I'm trying to figure out how to do this intro thing. We'll get it. We'll get it one of these yeah. times. Well, I mean, I like it that it's different every time. It, it keeps the listeners looking forward to something. Yeah, I know. It's like, how are they going to screw it up this time? You know, we're learning. We're learning together. I said this before. One episode at a time. Yeah. What you what you drinking right now? Um, I'm drinking a combination of sparkling water and cold brew. You know, combination that class- Pizza Hut Taco Bell. That classic combination. <laughs> that- yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. nice. What are you drinking? I have a combo as well. I got, I got uh, Bai antioxidant infused Malawi mango a beverage. Uh, apparently, it's made by a superfruit. What is a superfruit? Can I interrupt? What is, what is it? Does that mean it has like a certain number of antioxidants, certain number of, that's my understanding, right? All it says on the back here, it says, meet our superfruit, the superfruit, the stuff we use. Meet it. Probably, (laughs) it just keeps repeating the phrase superfruit without describing what it is. I think it, I don't think it's a real fruit. It's not, it's called Malawi, you said? Well, the the drink is called Malawi mango. Okay. But in the Malawi mango drink, they're using apparently a superfruit to sweeten it. Interesting. uh, it's fascinating. Free, free radical crushing, uh, a lot of antioxidants. So, sounded good. It tastes pretty good, and I'm, I'm hoping it's good for me too. But to <laughs> like counteract that, I also have uh, Blue Moon Classic. Wheat Ale. Yeah. You know, instead of like the little like orange garnish you put on Blue Moon, you could put this like super fruit garnish going forward. Ooh. Except we're not sure if it's an actual fruit. It sounds like it might just be a made up yeah, fruit. It might, might just, just might just be a mango. Let's see if they got ingredients. They got ingredients up in here. Number one, filtered water. You know what Number it is. Number one. <laughs> Just water, 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 and some uh, some sugar. Sweetener blend. It's expected. But I also had earlier today the new uh, Starbucks refresher. If anyone's had the Starbucks refreshers, you got the very, very hibiscus, the cool lime. They discontinued are you, are you, the Do orange. you know these off the top of your head now? Yeah, dude. I love the oh, refreshers, goodness. man. They're better than the chai. The chais are like a fucking bastardization. The coffee is like, eh, Starbucks coffee, Starbucks coffee. It's not that great. But the refreshers burnt, are kind of unique. You can't find it anywhere else. So they had these three flavors out there. Very Berry Hibiscus was the best one. They discontinued the orange one because, you know, no one was taking it. And now they introduced a new one just like two weeks ago. Breaking news. Strawberry Akai Refresher. So I had that on the way here, uh, a Trenta, uh, strawberry. Oh, no, so you've had, you're like triple, you're like triple wielding <laughs> drinks here. Yeah, dude. Well, I finished that one. Oh, on you the finished here. it. So I'm, I'm like refreshed, but I need more refreshment. So that's why I got the super fruit with me. Dude, you're but like I, you're gonna be like set like medically for like the next week. You've been drinking super fruit on <laughs> super refresher fruit, yeah. berry, refreshers, antioxidants. All good up in here, dude. Yeah, dude. And I take Centrum Silvers. Uh, every night. Isn't know? that the one for um, people it's, over 50? Yes, it's the one for people <laughs> over 50. But this is the thing. Like, the one for people over 50 is actually the best Centrum. They don't tell you this. Right? Is that true? Like, is, are you just saying that? Is that? No, it's got, like, more B12 and iron, which, like, okay. I need some iron, dude. Go like, on. Not only o- older people need iron. Uh, iron deficiency is, like, common when you're older. But, you know, mm-hmm. you got to prep for that stuff. We're all getting older. so We're I figured, all getting older. <laughs> why not just take the PSA, Centrum now? We're all getting older, guys. The, Everything else is the same except they loaded up with some more iron. Don't quote me on that, but that's that's how I've rationalized it. 
so I, I've been taking Centrum uh, every night, so I think I'm good to go, dude. You're Life not actually taking. You're, you're sure you're not taking the Centrum that's for women, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you positive <laughs> about that? Because there's like a couple different varieties. All right. Honestly, I'm not the, sure it would be bad. The Centrum you, I buy. Why I bought this is it's the only one that has the orange flavor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like. Which everyone has orange flavor. Yeah. I found out it's only the Centrum Silver stuff. So Do I'm you like, remember those tablets this. from Sun? That were Sunkissed brand vitamin C tablets. No, dude. Do you remember these? Pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they were just candy, but there was Sunkissed. They were like nine thousand percent of your daily vitamin C in like an orange colored, like chalky tablet, orange flavored. Ooh. By Sunkissed. By that's Sunkissed. That sounds pretty good. I mean, I used to take these uh, gummy vitamins. Remember that shit? I used to have those yeah, gummy, bear gummy vitamins. vitamins. I used to actually eat the Flintstones, not gummy, but just Flintstones ones. Those were kind of sucky, though. I didn't really like them. Yeah. A lot of people were, like, nuts about those. The gummy ones I thought were better. Well, I read an article um, that apparently the gummy ones, you can't actually digest it effectively. And, like, the nutrients aren't released into your body in a, in a sufficient yeah, you, fashion. Yeah, you just, you, just, you just urinate out all those Yeah, all you those just vitamins. out all the stuff. You, can, you only have to eat it, you know, with a nasty chalky tablet or, you know, the Centrum I'm talking about. You have to grind it up flavor. and put it inside like your eggs in the morning. That's how it works. Right? Grind it up, dude. Just grind it up. Grind it up. Grind it up. Full cup. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be, <laughs> put it in the scissor. Good uh, to go. Speaking of scissor, man, like some Tussin, dude. Of. Everyone hated on me when I used to just drink Tussin for fun. No, it wasn't, it wasn't just Tussin for fun. Hey, drinking it for fun is concerning. So let's put that out there. Yeah. And like, let's, let's make no qualms about saying that. If you're just drinking it recreationally, you're basically doing the same thing that all these scissor drinking dudes are doing. B, you were like an advocate of like saying like, if you got like a cut, just rub a little scissor on yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, rub a little Tussin was, on it. That was a, a joke stolen from uh, Chris Rock. Chris Rock's still alive, right? Pretty sure I saw you rub some rubber dust in Underwood so, once. Louis Farrakhan and Chris Rock, both alive. We got that covered. Uh, but yeah, he made the joke about the Tussin. I just enjoyed the flavor of Robitussin. Like it, it, it tasted kind of like Dr. Pepper, except that was like the a worst medicine. That was thing. like the one medicine I would like revolt against taking as a kid. I don't know how you like that stuff. That's like the medicine that that like ruins the cherry flavor for most people, like into their adult life. And you love this medicine. You have to. I think this this, this calls for self examination, dude. I don't like cherry flavor outside of this. Maybe you have like, you actually got turned off on cherry flavor due to Tussin, but then you have this weird love for Tussin still that like, there's something complicated going on here, man. Maybe I only enjoy cherry flavored substances if I know it's going to be, you know, good for my immune system. Like a Robitussin is. It's gonna... you, only, you only associate cherry with like it's bad tasting, but it's good for you. So you still love Tussin, but you hate cherry. You see how Tussin did cherry in like that? You Damn, see that? Dude. Damn. My, I mean, <laughs> I'm learning a lot, dude. I'm learning a lot about myself right now. It's the superfoods, man. It's enabling this learning to <laughs> take place. Fruit, dude. Oh, man. The superfood's good, though. Hi, yo, buy. Buy five. This is, this is good <laughs> what? stuff, man. That's the we company. Still, we buy still speak five. in English? Buy five, dude. Uh, it's uh, the Malawi Mango Company. I, I I recommend it. It's good. Okay. New sponsor, dude. New sponsor. New sponsor, guys, because you know we start Johnny Walker dropped up. us, dude. Yeah. They they said we didn't have we to dropped them. Let, we dropped not... them. Good point. That's exactly what happened. Just, just edit them. out that other part. <laughs> um, no, I mean, uh, I remember when I when we were in college, I used to drink a lot of those naked juices. And I'm like, man, look at all these fruits. This looks so. This has got to be great for me. And then you look at the sugar content. It's like 80 grams of sugar. sugar. And I'm like, um, maybe not. Maybe not good for me. That stuff uh, was expensive too, though. Nature drinks? It was. It was. It was. It was a luxury. It was like five bucks a drink, dude. Like, and it was small too. It but was you like, got like, but you got like, no, no, the naked juices, the naked juices. Those were pretty big. They had like nine mangoes in them, dude. 
Said on the back. They can't lie about that stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was like 15 grapes, nine mangoes, a platypus, or not a platypus, but, you know, it like broke it down for you and you're like, this is some good stuff. This is some good I, stuff. I had no super fruit though. It didn't. I don't actually, actually think you're right. There were no, there was all, it was all pretty, it was, the fruit game was pretty basic. Nature needs to up its nature game, dude. Naked, dude. Naked. Oh, naked, dude. Shit. <laughs> And he's up you, nature game. Then. We'll get it right if you sponsor us. We'll <laughs> yeah. get it right. Promise. 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 <laughs> so well, what's, what's happening, dude? What's happening? Um, well, I, I thought we would go over our – maybe our, our list, our top two or three favorite albums of the year. Yeah. Also, I mean, first out, shout yeah. out to Scott Walker, dude. R.I.P., man. Oh, right. <laughs> Damn, totally forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> Scott Walker, dude. Too soon. R.I.P., Hashtag Scott. too soon. Too soon for you, dude. But um, yeah, yeah, album talk. You know, album talk. Yeah, it's like – Ah oh, man, I Scott, that Scott Walker thing's got me in a tizzy. Now. All right, <laughs> let me take a moment. Let me take a moment. Uh, but yeah, album talk. That was, you know, I totally dodged your question how my week has been. Um, but you know, let's just talk about albums. My my thought was, you know, we got to start off with a few things first. Um, hashtag six months since Zane quit One Direction. Just I know that out there for the fans. Another R.I.P. dude. R.I.P. Another R.I.P. I mean, kind of like uh, retrospective R.I.P. But still putting it out there. So I um, do you want to start off with your number with your number three? Like if you had to just pick one off the top of your head. So what we're gonna do is just go back and forth. Like music we've been listening to, you know, serve as serve as a starting point for maybe subsequent like criticism and or making fun of each other about our music taste, but also yeah. just talking about music taste. So go for it. What you got? So three, two, one. Yeah, three, two, one. We'll go three, back two, and forth. Volley. This is tough because, like, this year, like, I, I usually in past years, every week, I try to listen to two to three new albums. Um, wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I usually made it a point to do that. And this year, I just I just didn't uh, do that. For, I'm not sure why. I have easy access on Spotify, which I love, but I it just was like didn't. It's because you were also listening to the Metal Gear Solid 2 theme on repeat, right? Just... <laughs> well, actually, I mean, I, I, speaking of that, it's like I felt that my music taste from last year bled too much into the beginning of this year. And I was just re-listening to older albums because I was so satisfied with them that I felt no need to go explore new stuff. I'm like, I, I like what I'm listening to right now. I don't need to listen to new shit. So I think that like clouded the first like couple of months. So of the let's year. start with that then. Like, what albums were those that like you felt like these are sufficient? These are tiding me over. I'm good. Yeah, I mean that was. Um, I mean honestly, it's going to come back to my number one spot <laughs> for this. Let year, me guess. Which is well, you could probably guess. I don't want to reveal it just yet. But really, that album on repeat, it was a double album. Half of it was released that last year, half of it was released this year. And I almost listened to that nonstop uh, and like older classic songs that I used to love from many years ago over listening to an album. But for this year, um, I was looking at, I like looking at these lists of not what I like really loved in the moment, but albums that I reflect on, that when I reflect on them, I'm like, I'm going to go back to this album two, three, four years down the road. And I'm still going to enjoy it. Like staying power is more important to me than in the moment loving it. Um, that eternal joy. Yeah, that eternal joy, man. So like I'd say number three, I'm going to give a shout out to my boy Kamasi Washington. Heard of this dude? I have not. What is this? So Kamasi Washington, yeah, I mean, no one's heard of him. So he is a saxophone player, jazz guy, right? Uh, he, w- he used to do performances for Flying Lotus on his uh, record label, uh, Brain Feeder. And then he got some acclaim because he actually uh, performed on uh, what I'm assuming is going to be your number one, uh, Kendrick Lamar's album, To Pimp a Butterfly. So all of this jazz... Actually not even in my top three, but go on. What? 
Oh shit! Oh yeah, shit! No, I actually okay. forgot. No joke. <laughs> I might get some hate for this, but I totally forgot that album came out this year. Oh, dude, that's I surprising! Know, right? Holy shit! You were you were hyping that up to me when it came out. I'm very surprised. Really? Right Was I got I got to look a shock right now that you're okay. not putting Kendrick number one. All right, well we'll get to that. We'll make your look of shock <laughs> the cover art for this week's album cover. All right, so this is surprising. SoundCloud cover. So this guy, like when everyone was talking about when Kendrick was putting jazz onto a lot of his tracks uh, onto Pimple Butterfly. That was Kamasi Washington performing. Oh, is this Flying Lotus? This is not Flying Lotus. He performs with Flying Lotus. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he finally put out his own album, uh, right? And um, I haven't heard like a really good jazz album in a very long time. So the album's called The Epic. So that's going to be my number three. Um, And like almost every song on here, a lot of it is just pure jazz instrumental. Some of them you got like really talented female vocalists on there. You could construe it as easily listening jazz, but even with that, like, very rarely do I get to listen listen to an album and say that this musician is like a virtuoso, right? Like, I can take I am in awe of how well he can perform and how well he can play the instrument uh, the instrument he's playing. Because nowadays everything is so produced, you don't know what's real, what's not in terms of actual performances, and it's yeah. great to hear like a real performance. You can hear this guy; he's playing his heart out, um, and it's just so much more authentic of an experience. And I don't see that very often. I haven't seen another album like that come out in the limelight for some time now. So he's influenced, you know, from the John Coltrane's and shit like that. So I love this album. Like I can see myself, if I need to get work done, just walking around, just want a really nice, enjoyable instrumental listen, I put on the epic and just listen to it beginning to end. And like some of the top tracks over there, it's like Misunderstanding, Final Thought, Change of the Guard. Like all of it is just really solid jazz. And if you've never been into jazz in the past which i haven't i don't have a strong like yeah jazz knowledge um, like i enjoy jazz tracks occasionally so this was i'm not sure how he compares right to like jazz aficionados who might know of other uh, improv jazz artists who are like incredible as well but this is the guy that came to my mind uh and what album i was like in, in since he was associated with flying lotus he was actually getting some airtime and some play and i picked it up and i fucking loved it so question, uh, have you had yeah. the chance to go back and listen to like a broader like spectrum of jazz now that you got interested uh, because of this album? Like have you – have you? so like the question is like have you now seen like whether or not it's this specific album that got you interested in jazz or it's just a yeah. matter of like, oh, I happen to listen to this now and I actually just am into jazz at the moment? I think it was more the latter. I mean like I went back and there was another group that got some acclaim called Bad, Bad, Not Good. Uh, a couple of young guys who dropped out of some music school and formed this improv jazz band. Initially what they were doing was doing covers – of songs like Flashing Lights from Kanye, all this shit. Uh, and they started producing their own jazz instrumentals. But when they started producing their own jazz instrumentals, like <laughs> it sadly wasn't as catchy. And a lot of people didn't like their 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 actual produced music versus their cover music. While Kamasi Washington just stands on his own, like it's just really enjoyable and well-produced jazz music uh, from my experience. So I, it's highly recommended. Like if you're looking for something outside of what you usually hear nowadays, which is more pop, indie, stuff like that, uh, some old school flavor, uh, this is really an album that you should check out. Yeah, I'll definitely make a note to do that. It's like jazz, I think, like many people, it's like it's one of those genres I want to dive into, but it's like I don't know what the – is it like this is the right entry point, like going back in time, like the classic stuff, but if there's like a modern entry point that makes it maybe more approachable to like dive in and actually start to like be like, all right, what's this all about? You know. Yeah, I think that's a, that's what you put it. It's a, it's a modern entry point. And like some older jazz albums, like people always 
hype on like, oh, it's an- recorded in analog fashion. You can like hear the grit and the grime on the album. Like, I don't want to hear that shit. I just like with our recordings, dude. Just like with <laughs> yeah, our right. recordings. I want to hear a, a clean recording. <laughs> That's what yeah. you get with Kamasi Washington. Some clear instrumentals. You can hear the dude playing. So it's solid. It's real solid. Good stuff. Good stuff. So that's your number three. Yeah, it's number three. Committing to it. I'm committing, dude. Well, okay. for now, we'll have to do a top ten at the end of the year. All oh, right. Are we? Gonna, oh, top ten. That's gonna be. That's gonna be hard. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So my number three, um, lack of commitment, is probably a two-way tie between two mainstream releases. All right. Um, <laughs> which you're probably both gonna like roll your eyes at. Uh, the first one is Drake's mixtape, which oh, is God if you're reading if, if you're reading this <laughs> if you're reading this you're t- uh, it's. If you're reading this, it's too late, I think it is, the title of. For some reason, I'm blanking on, like, the last part of that sentence. If you're reading this, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, the second one is Carly Rae Jepsen's Emotion. What? And I heard that two, was good, though. I heard that two, was good, Yeah, though. for two different reasons, right? Um, so the Drake mixtape is, like – so Drake is just playing the strategic game this year in, like, a very – so, like, as a background, people know Drake. Drake is, like, this, like, singer slash rapper slash, like, you know, he, he pisses off a lot of people who are, like, rap aficionados because he kind of does this, like, soft guy R&B side to, to, his, to his craft in addition to, like, the rap side. And he can actually throw down bars when he does rap. Yeah. But, like, he kind of plays this dance between the two. And he was, like, a child actor on Degrassi. There's, like, a lot of reasons why, that. like, if you are That's a cool. rap aficionado, you're like, this dude from Canada is, like, so – not what I'm into. Yeah. Um, but, like, what I'm interested in, what I'm impressed by with Drake is, like, how he can craft his image and how despite, like, all of the sort of reasons that were out there and all of, like, the uh, the sort of detractors that had, like, legitimate points about, like, why this guy would not fly in mainstream rap, he has still managed to, I think, on the back of hard work and on the back of good strategy, got gotten to the number one spot. He's, like, one of the biggest artists in the world now and, like, you know, Haters giving him that, those salty looks, as Kanye would say, but he's like, he's out there and he's like, got to deal with Apple now, like, you know, yeah. living pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, and, I can't this, argue against his like claim to fame. Like, in no, but, but what I'll say is I also, I also like his, so like, it's like one of those conflicted things, but I do like his style of production. Like he has this, uh, he, ha- he has a sort of um, longtime producer named Noah Shabib and they have like this very like sort of grungy, like sort of. It's like, I don't know, the term that comes to mind is like aquatic kind of sound to a lot of his albums. Like it's like, it's supposed to be like a very Toronto vibe, right? Like kind of muted. Um, it, it's it's like a very different style of production than most mainstream rap. Like you could say it's in a lot of ways like post-808s and Heartbreak. But uh, I mean, I, I just think it fits his style very well. Like the production is very um, distinct. Um, and I think it's evolved over time, like from his album in 2011 to his album last year, or I'm sorry, in 2013 to now this mixtape. Um, and like, it's just, it's, it, this mixtape itself is positioned as a precedent to an eventual album that will be released at the end of the year, early next year. Yeah. Um, and just like the way it was sort of released as a like commercial mixtape that you could buy. And like, it was actually like, actually very solid end to end, but it was like, Oh, this is just the prologue for what's coming. But how has he coming. evolved, right? Like, all right, yeah. my, my two criticisms with Drake, right? Sure. First, how has he evolved? I get production is great. He's got enough money to produce the hell out of something. I, I don't listen to much Drake. I haven't listened to this specific mixtape. When I listen to his music, though, I have two issues with it. Like, when I like hip-hop and rap, it's usually because I find what the person is rapping about of some relevance, right? And this is my my grievance against, like, The weekend. This is my grievance against the Drakes of the world, where I'm just really not seeing any importance 
to what they're saying. It's the same shit. Well, over here's the thing. I, I would I would contest it's not like it's not like they're depicting this like Kendrick's to Kendrick's on like one end of the spectrum, right? Where right. he's able to craft this narrative and bring you into his world. And it's amazing. It's like, you know, it's detailed, there's metaphor like replete throughout it. He's got like the conversation with Pac at the end of uh, to pimp a butterfly. Um, the thing about Drake in the weekend, I think, and Drake specifically, is like I think you know that he's a guy who, he so he never pretends to be a gangster rapper. He never he, like is talking a lot yeah. about like you know he's crooning a lot about girls and like about his sort of personal situation. Very sort of navel gazing to the point of being annoying. You could argue in some songs or in some circumstances, but like I think it's very relatable as a result. Like I don't think there's a lot of like in the way that Kendrick like takes you to this world that's very foreign to you. I think Drake's um, the world that he creates in his songs are actually much more approachable and much more understandable by people who are not necessarily like uh, that, that are like us, that are like people who are, you know, just listening to his music and are like in everyday suburbia or urban life, if that makes sense. Like it, it's sort of there are cheesy bits to it, but I think he's actually talking about more approachable things in some cases than some of the, you know, rappers that actually talk about like much more serious issues, if that makes sense. Sure. I mean, like uh, I, I get that. um some of the rappers out there are going to be talking about their upbringing and that's not as relatable as someone as Drake who seems to have like a decent upbringing and uh, is, is fine. But still, when you're ta- like, as you said, like singing about and being a braggadocio about your love life and uh, but it's not about, just braggadocio, like, right? That's what that's what he gets hit for. It's a lot yeah. of being vulnerable. It's a lot of sort of saying like it's a lot of like this introspective rumination that like is kind of whiny at times, but yeah, it's also kind of, but, yeah. but it's honest, right? It's like, it's, it's whiny, but it's honest. And like, he mixes it in with like the, like, just like the flat braggadocio. And so I like, guess, he kind man, of, but like the he has this kind form, of, like, he has like quotes, like I live for the nights that I can't remember with the people that I won't forget. Like, this is the yep, shit you read yep. on like so, a So you ask card, about how he, right? so, so like there's definitely, there's, and this is, this is part of the complex relationship that I have with Drake's music, right? It's like, there's like cheese factor out the roof on some songs. And you ask about how he's evolved over time. And I think that cheese factor has actually gotten better. I think he's gotten aware of it. I think it's like under control to it. Like, cause it's not like I'm trying to overinflate myself as this like former child star. It's like now I'm actually like number one. And like, I'm actually talking about the experience of being this young guy who's number one. uh, Give me some examples where he felt he was not cheesy though. Not cheesy. Um, So if you listen, yes. So if you listen to his last, I'd say like actual studio album, which was nothing was the same. um, There's a song called from time on there, which is like very, kind of like loquacious about like lots of different incidents with girls, which I yeah. thought was like, I mean, you could argue again, he was just sort of being voyeuristic about like all these different episodes, but it didn't come across as like him like sort of posturing. It didn't come across as him being cheesy. Um, I thought it was a pretty good song. Um, there's a song called um, Too Much, which features Sampha um, on oh, that cool. same album, which is also really good. Um, there's the song called Pound Cake, which features Jay-Z at the end. And again, it's a lot about his, it's like the best songs with Drake are the ones that talk about like the, the whiplash and like the weirdness of the experience, right? It's like, I'm this guy who's becoming this star. And like, it is, it is like, here's, here's all the strangeness about it. And here's how I'm kind of dealing with it or kind of just like shrugging off the thoughts of thinking about it. Um, but there's something kind of weirdly captivating about how he kind of like just ruminates about that like incessantly over the course of his albums, as his production gets more mature, I think, as his sort of self-reflectiveness gets more mature as well. It's weird. It's like you're watching this case that sort of unfolds. Yeah. Um, so you could so say that your love for him is more... I would say feel. love. I would say like... I would say like... I would number say, three, I, dude. Number three, 2016. Number three. I would say, yeah, I have an admiration for his music and his craft and his strategy. 
And I think like he is a guy who has made a concerted effort to make himself something. So you feel that impressive. through the cheesiness, there is some. Um, I think he's gotten past the cheese. I think he's pushed past it in large to a large it. degree. I have yeah. this goofy. Um, so you know, on uh, on the iPhone now, you can have different keyboards. Yeah. Um, so I got a Drake lyric keyboard. So oh, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I got like intros. I'm on a 24-hour champagne diet. I got money to blow, letting these bills fall over your skin. Yeah, and so that's the thing. Like, it'll be like this, this song that is like the saddest song ever about this girl, and then it'll be like that song about like champagne diet and all this stuff. And like it's just absurd. Um, oh, there's an absurdity to it that I like too, right? It's there's like, some real talk here, yeah. Because it's like it, like he's like oscillating between saying like, oh, I know I'm not this dude and I'm just fronting or I'm trying to be this guy. And then he'll be like, no, I'm actually this dude and I'm all about this life. And like, let me tell you about it in like this, like this over the top way that's like only semi-believable, right? Um, but yeah. over time, it's like you kind of see this dude becoming what he's like sort of professing to be early on. Um, so I thought the latest mixtape was really good. Um, I think even our boy at the Needle Drop thought it was really good, which was surprising. Yeah. Um, and no, it's just like very solid. Like his, again, like Noah Shabib's production, um, just like the catchiness of the tracks, um, it was kind of minimal, I think, on like the Drake like whiny whiny factor, which was good. That's good. Um, yeah. um, I would listen to it if if you're like looking for like what does modern like Drake in 2015 kind of sound like? Um, like he had a pretty great year, right? It's like he uh, he had that album come out, then he had that beef with Meek Mill, which uh, was sort of uh, predates this podcast. But like basically, Meek is a is a Philly rapper, like a street rapper, like is a guy who would not you would not think would fall down to a battle with Drake, especially one that he started. Um, and basically what happened is he kind of called out Drake for like having a ghostwriter. Drake denied it um, yeah. or like didn't actually say anything, I think, at first. But he like put it out there. So Drake put out like a track that was sort of veiled, kind of weak, addressing it. And mm. then um, they waited for me to return fire, right? Like with his own track. Did yeah. not. And then Drake released this this banger, which was called Back to Back, which is like – so he released one diss track, then waited three days. And in the, in the in the second diss track, referenced the fact that in three days, Meek hadn't done anything. And it was like – it was like – like he had like his fest in Toronto. And it was just like – it was like a masterful play of just like trolling this dude who tried yeah. to like – who tried to discredit him. Um, and so it was like that sort of like – it's that sort of Drake where you're like this dude is thinking that's like, all right, it, it's interesting. It's captivating in a weird way. Um, I will say, I will close this by saying one thing. <laughs> so he has he has this latest, uh, he has like a mixtape that he apparently made in six days. This is not the one I'm talking about. Like that was released like a week ago with Future, who's an Atlanta rapper. Uh, as probably the best verse, which I'd like to read. Um, <laughs> read that thing, yeah. It's called, it's called Big Rings. And 80% of the song is basically these lines getting repeated. It says, I got a really big team. They need some really big rings. They need some really nice things. Better become with no strings. Better become with no strings. I got a really big team. <laughs> they need some really big rings. They need some really nice things. <laughs> then it closes very, very, you know, very, very like sort of poetically with "What a time to be alive." And I'm just like, you know, how how is that not like album of the year material right there? The repetition in rap music nowadays is kind of fucking hilarious. Uh, but I get it. I get it. Yeah, Drake. All right, I'll, I'll give him a shot. I'll give him another shot. It's just that. I feel some of these. Well, you have to kind of be. You have to. You have to understand the meta narrative, though, not to be like yeah. really up, like uppity about it. But I think that's kind of like you said. I think you hit. I think you got that part correct. It's like I have this kind of fascination that like transcends the album itself. Right. Um, and I think most people like who like have this weird relationship with his music have that same view. Um, yeah, I mean, but the issue I have, like, why I, I feel it's. Um, I'm not going to say abhorrent because <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> criticize your views that much. 
But to place him oh, above, good, man. to place him above a Kendrick, who I think is right. moving the genre well, forward so much, because like people like The Weeknd, who has back in the day, like I don't even remember, but I ain't gonna brag, but we we me and you we listened to The Weeknd like so four I will, years I will go ago, out on a record right? and say like you listened to The Weeknd and I kind of rolled my eyes. I will I will put that out there. Yeah, publicly. like back in the day, and like when he was because you came to me and you're like, here's a dude who sounds like Michael Jackson, and I'm like, don't even. All right, he had a, he had a similar vocal, but he does, range. he does. I. He yeah, had a similar like, book range, and this guy absolutely was one of the closest out, that I've heard. Yeah, and like the same thing, he was putting out uh, his own mixtapes for free online, and these mixtapes, like he was wrestling with internal struggle, he was talking about his trials and tribulations in a very authentic way, and there was no, no cheesy lines, and he's progressively become more and more and more cheesy because it seems that what sells, and that's pretty disappointing. And Drake, is that I, true though? Like that's the thing that I wonder about the weekend. Like I haven't actually listened to his new album in depth, but it seems like. I can't tell if what's happened is, like, he's just gotten really successful, and so people are like, I don't like him now that he's really successful. Has his craft, has his art really changed that much? It has, Is I it think. really that I mean, different than it was, or is it just... I mean, he did always have, like, as you said, like, these whiny, uh, whiny um, songs on his older albums as well, but and now it seems all of his albums, I mean, all of the songs on his recent albums are kind of like that. They're talking about, like, calling girls up, you know, why don't you call me, all this kind of stuff. Like, it's, that's all he does now. Um, and I feel like if we're going to put albums in the pantheon of like best music and we're going to hand it down to the next generation and three years from now, what are we going to listen to? Like, do I really want to listen to like uh, Drake singing about, you know, because the truth hurts and those lies heal and he can't sleep thinking that he lies still? Like, it's like, that's not what I want to listen to, man. It's not moving anything forward. It's not d- discussing anything important. Um, going back to the criticism of putting a Drake over, uh, okay. you know, someone like um, Brother Ali or uh, some of the other rap artists out there that are speaking about yeah. some interesting things. Like, my issue with that is, fine, you can identify with this dude's growth as an artist. He's not singing about cheesy things anymore. The beats are great. And he's rapping about things that he internally believes that he's struggling with. And you like that because it's, it's authentic to him. But the thing is, like, my issue is a lot of artists can do that. Not a lot of artists can rap about uh, socially relevant topics on uh, on an impressive beat like a Kendrick can. And those are, I think, the songs that yeah, I will would, stay. I would totally like, agree with you. You're so not going you you're you're to get another like, Drake in, in two years, right? You're not going to get another. I don't Kendrick. know. So I think I think you're right. Um, so I think again, there's sort of this this like path dependent phenomenon that is Drake. Again, given just like how absurd it was of a notion that he would get to where he is now. I am not discrediting you, like, the idea at all, rather, that, like, you know, from an artistic perspective, like, To Pimp a Butterfly is, I think, many, many echelons above Drake's latest release and and things of that nature. But, you know, just personally, like, what have I listened to, like, much more than To Pimp a Butterfly? I'm actually kind of surprised at how little I've listened to uh, Kendrick's latest album. I think it's, like, one of those things where I can admire just a piece of art. But it's not something like given the mode that I've been in, like the past six yeah. months, eight months, that I've just wanted to go back and revisit. Yeah. It, it, that's, that's another thing. With like the more experimental you get, the tougher it is to go back. It's like sometimes you just want to vibe out to some Drake. Like, you just want to vibe out <laughs> to some stuff, dude. He's talking and, about uh, big rings, man. Big rings. Well, speaking of the song I've been vibing out recently, and so you can you can hate me for this. Uh, okay. The new J-Beep song, What Do You Mean? You heard that? Oh, what do you mean? Um, oh, man. That beat is... Hot, dude. That beat See, is, this is the thing. Fuego. Think... That beat is fire, man. My goodness. So re- remember that my tied, tied it, my, uh, the slot that's tied for number three is also the Carly Rae Jepsen album on my end. So I'm, who yeah. am I to judge? 
Well, I, I actually heard joke. that was good. I haven't, I haven't listened to very much of it yet. So but. it is an album that comes across, um, just I'll say briefly, as like, it, it seems like it is trying to be a great pop album and nothing more. So there's like a lack of pretension about what it's trying to do. I will say it's like twice as long as it needs to be. Like there are bangers on that album, like 60% of it is great. It's like, why do you have this remaining 40%? It's like 15, 16 songs long or something. Yeah. It's like, you could just put out like a, like, just use Thriller as the model. Just like get like eight or 10 songs out that you think are great. Call it a day. You get that money. Pack up. Go home. People yeah. be playing that all day. Top twenty. Um, but yeah, it's fun. It's a great. Al- it's like a fun album just to to play Hearthstone to to play games to. <laughs> and it's just like fun pop, right? It's fun pop. That's it. Yeah. Any like standout tracks that you've been like listening to? Um, let me think. So there's. I didn't just come here to dance, which is a really catchy track. Emo- emotion. <laughs> emotion. Well, Carly, itself, I actually I only went there to dance. <laughs> I only go to well, dance. If you're looking for more than that, you might want to go to a different album. <laughs> yeah. um, actually, like the the title track, Emotion, is great. Um, I Really Like You is a good track. Or maybe it's I Really, <laughs> oh, I heard, I really, I really, 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 really Like You. Is that the one that like, you heard I this really, track? really, 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 really like you? That is such a catchy track, is oh it not? Oh, my God. The, it is Do, catchy, don't man. Deny. That's what I'm saying. Repetition wins, dude. Repetition's good. It's hard to internalize things if they're not repeated. <laughs> yeah, it's like I got one verse and repeat it 20 times. 20 times, man. What was, right, what's what, your was the, no- what was the standout track for uh, the Drake? Um... So um, there were a few. I would say 10 Bands It's the name of a track yeah. um, that stands out. I'd say it's, it's pretty good. Um, there's I'm like, adding these right now in Spotify. Yeah. I, I would say like – I would say listen to the whole thing all the way through though. I can't remember – like there's the ones at the end. Like there's like a couple – like I think it's like 6 p.m. in New York or like some like time in some city. Like that's kind of like a recurring theme. Yeah. That was pretty good. I mean, there's a great line in there. Out in Sil- like, if I wasn't doing this, I might be out in Silicon trying to get my billions on. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's one thing it's about great, these artists. It's like, a great I line. Give them props for the quotables, right? Like, there's no quotables yeah, from King Kunta. <laughs> like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be spitting quotes uh, from anything from Kendrick, but you can from a Drake, which is good, which is fun. It adds the experience. Yeah, and ag- yeah, again, it's like there, there's, there's just an odd fascination. I would say. Um, okay, what's your number two? Number two. Number two. Um, so this is tough because the thing is like there's so many good albums coming out at the tail end of the year um, that I have a feeling that there's two albums right now I've been li- listening to heavily that might take this spot. But I, I can't say for certain yet. And the two albums, I'll, I'll, we, maybe we'll do an honorable mention section at the end um, just so we can give some yeah. shout outs. Again, this is, like, this is like a, this is like a appetizer to like the end of the year discussion. So I yeah. mean, I'm not, I'm not playing too, too serious about these. Yeah, but again, like albums that I think – move the genre forward and albums that I'll listen to in a few years' time, I'm going to have to give it – and this is also my bias for this guy, but Sufjan, um, Carrie and Lowell. Yeah, dude. Um, Guess what? That's my number two as well. That's your number oh. two as well? Oh, cool. Nice. We love that Synergy. Show. So it's like Carrie and Lowell. Um, so there's a lot of background to this album, and you probably know a bit more about the background. I didn't read too much about it. Like, I just I know, read that Pitchfork piece, which was like mad, mad sad, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's basically about his, a very strained relationship with his mother who had a lot of uh, mental issues. Um, and they were kind of isolated from each other for some time. And there was like a lot of resentment when Sufjan was growing up, uh, uh, and, uh, along with his mother and his father as well. And the album's title, Carrie Lowell is his, his parents' names. Um, and on initial listens, I remember I was talking to you about it. It's like, I didn't love it mainly because I felt that, uh, everything sounded the same. It was very monotonous throughout the album. It was very trimmed down instrumentals. It was Sufjan uh, with just a guitar, maybe one more piano track on the uh, on the side, and then his vocals, which weren't heavily EQ'd. And Sufjan's not 
an incredible singer. He's a good singer, but his strength is really songwriting, not vocal delivery. Um, well, I, I would caveat that by saying like the emotion that he can deliver through vocal delivery, I think, is pretty unparalleled. That's true. I, it, it's I think, and good, also, yeah. um, where, like, let me just say by where you, where you say like, and I agree with you by saying that it was not a, like, like the you know the EQ stuff. Like, it was not a very eclectic sounding album. But like to yeah. me, what that came across as is like this is essence de Sufjan. This is like distilled Sufjan. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it was very distilled, and I, I kept listening to it and listening to it, and I still don't. Like in other albums of Sifian, there are snippets of different songs that I resonate with the lyrics quite a bit. Um, and even like even like the very very odd uh, album, like Age of Odds, which I really loved. Like just like fantastic ma- album, masterpiece songs like Impossible Soul, where you have ideas and so many ideas in a single song, where most artists I feel couldn't even touch in their entire career. And like this is my praise for Sifian because like the relationship I have with Sifian and his music runs deep. Right, this guy. I listened to him back in the day. He's one of the main reasons I picked up a guitar. He's one of the main reasons I started singing over a guitar, like horribly, but like I did it because and I wanted I, and to I will cover put his on music. record, like I was, I was like, who is this guy? You keep telling me to listen to Suf John Stevens, yeah. and then I listened to it, and I was like, all right, this is pretty great. So yeah, so like I have like a a, a long standing love for this guy. So I was super hyped for this recent album because like in the past he's been putting out these albums and it's like Christmas music again. I'm like Suf John, give me some of that. Yeah, I can't stuff, make it dude. through those. I can't make it through any of those Christmas albums. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fun sometimes. Like a Silent Night solid. And it's Mr. Frosty Snowman stuff is good. But I was waiting for another return to form. And this is, again, Sufjan yeah. uh, it really producing some heart-wrenching lyrics um, and really powerful lyrics like Death with Dignity, beautiful song, Drawn to the Blood. Really great. Um, Fourth really of July song. was the one that Fourth really of July, stands out yeah. still. Just yeah. incredible song. Really somber like lyrics and talking. Yeah, it was a really – Really great album. Um, there's not I listen to that on an air. I listened to that album for the first time on an airplane, just like in the dark, like <laughs> like end to end. I'm just like, wow. And the the, the powerful thing about wow. Sufjan is he does not feel the need to. I, like you were saying that he when he sings, you can really hear the emotion in his voice. But the yep. brilliance of him as a songwriter is he will be singing about pretty terrible things. Like you can, if you remember, like some of his classics, like um, um, John Wayne Gacy. Or if you're looking at, yep. um, there's so many great tracks though. I mean, like I think about through Illinois, through Michigan, like just the emotion tinged tracks. Like again, like I, I would highlight vocal delivery as one of the things that stands out to me about Sufjan, despite the fact that maybe his range isn't, isn't as like crazy as some other people's. Because like I just can't think of very other, very uh, many other singer songwriters that can evoke that kind of emotion. Yeah, and what I was what I was trying to get at is I think a lot of singer songwriters they. Uh, go under this illusion that when I sing about something sad, I need to pause, I need to sound sad. It needs to be uh, separated from the rest of the track, this very sad lyric. And what you have with Sufjan is he just sings it. And it, it's, it's something you have to listen to. And he, it's just, it just uh, like kind of washes over you. So when he's talking about um, it, it very clearly and carrying Lowell slitting his wrists, right? And, and having the blood in the water and he just, just sings it normally. Uh, it's not something you would, most other songwriters would highlight that fact, but what happens to the listeners, you're listening to it and it's like, oh shit, what did he just say? <laughs> like that's some, that's some, no, there's that shit. aspect to it. But I think there are times when like his voice quivers and like yeah, he does yeah. kind of, he is able to sort of 
like tasteful isn't the right word, but he's able to enunciate those moments of sadness in a way that like seems so natural. It's like he's not like screaming it or doing some histrionic exactly. thing. It's like exactly. he just his voice is like folksy, but it's like quivering in a way where you're like it's like sends you know chills down your spine. Yeah, it's it's almost like he has a tough time singing about it himself. Exactly. Yeah, um, and then he just gets it out there, uh, and you hear that, which I think is that's his strength as a songwriter. Uh, just generally. So I, I, I think the album has grown on me a lot. I'm not sure I, I want to say it's like one of my favorite Sufjan albums. Um, uh, but I'm I not sure. It, yeah, I, I think that some of the lyrics here are more nuanced than his other albums. And I feel that this is something that will grow uh, and age extremely well. Maybe even yeah, better it's, than his other it's albums. Really, it's really, I think it's his tightest body of work. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of fat on the on the, on the the on that album at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the track list, man. It's like... Good song after good song. There's not a single one on here that is – I wouldn't want to like not listen to it, right? Like every single thing on here I wouldn't mind listening to. Man, I have to go back and listen to like Illinois today. That's what this Dude. reminds me of. Dude, all of it, man. All of it's so good. My boy, Sufjan, Saul Bello, No Man's Land, Pick Up, Chicago. Yeah. It's good stuff. Quality. Again, just going just gonna to put it out here. Sufjan's now like the indie darling, right, uh, for the most part. And it, I, I think a lot of people um, didn't like this album. I don't know. Were you reading any of the critic reviews? A lot of people weren't. I didn't, I didn't see a lot of people that didn't. I mean, except for maybe our friend The Needle Drop, who seems to just have the opposite opinion of me on pretty much everything except for this Drake album. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Fantano. Anthony Fantano. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I recommend that. It's If you're looking for um, like a... Because it's, it's not going to make you happy, right? You're not going to you're not going to feel happier after completing this listen. But if you want something to just uh, reflect on, uh, if you're drinking something, if you're drinking some drink, and you're like in a dark dark place, like 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 physically, like there's not a lot of light around you, <laughs> not like right. dark dark place, um, right, right? Yeah, turn this on, kick it on. Yeah. So I mean that's our both of our number two. So um, knocked out two birds, one stone, dude. Knocked out so. Thanks, Sufjan. Thank you, Sufjan. Um, okay, so I guess I'll just go to my number one then. Let's do it. Which I think is no surprise to you, which is the Tame Impala album. Yep, yep. Um, Currents, and this is like so. I actually hadn't listened to Tame Impala much before this album came out at all. And I think I had, like, even beyond that, I had confused them <laughs> with like several other groups, or like just didn't know what they were. I was like, is the tame is that like a band from the seventies or like the sixties? Like yeah. no clue. Like saw the reviews, was like, okay, this sounds interesting. Um hard to describe how like just how perfectly it hits a lot of the buttons that I have when it comes to music taste. It's like has this sort of retro vibe to it, has this sort of like electronic, obviously electronic strand throughout all of it. Um it just I don't know, like just out the gate, like the track, um, um, why am I blanking on the track? What's what's the opening track? Um, uh, let it happen. Yeah, let it happen. Let it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, just phenomenal track. I listened to that track on repeat. Like just yeah. Yeah, the last good. the last two two and a half minutes of that track um, are just like this phenomenal. Like I can only think of like like timeless is what comes to mind. It's like that is one of those things that sounds like it could have been like a timepiece out of like the sixties or the seventies. Yeah, except with like modern production, um, and just all the way through the album, like a uh, reality in motion. I think is like this sunflower, like, 60s-sounding track that, like, again, could be, like... It seems like it's a throwback, but it also seems like it could be, like, from any period. Um, And the production is just, like, pristine, in my mind. 
Um, I, I just, I enjoy it all the way through. And there's like moments of it where I can see why people would be like, oh, this is a little bit self-indulgent or this drags a little bit. But it's yeah. like, the whole, just like the variance across the body of work. I mean, I'm just like, I don't know. Nothing yeah, I mean, else is reality and motion like is, stands out from like all the, like all, every beat is pretty distinct, which is great. Cause I, I think the only negative I can throw, I love the album too. Um, so I'll say that, but the only thing negative I can throw on it is I feel the vocals, uh, like the lyrics are great, but I feel the guy's vocals, it, it, it seems like subdued and washed out a lot of the time. Um, this is actually something I agree with, with the needle drop. Give, yo, needle drop, yeah. we, we name needle drop, drop needle drop too much, man. He needs to name drop us sometimes. Like, yeah, you want to sponsor our podcast? Yeah, right. Needle drop? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you're right. The, I mean, compared to their other album, Lonerism, like this was a pretty huge evolution in terms of uh, beats and production. Uh, it was not only like Lonerism, their previous album was like heavy on guitars and this was heavy on a, a lot of synths along with the guitars. Like it wasn't, uh, it was a lot more diverse that way. Uh, and then like some standout lyrics for me was, uh, my favorite uh, track on here was Yes, I'm Changing. You remember that? Yeah, awesome um, track. And there's a segment over here. He's like, um, you say people don't change, but that's bullshit they do. Uh, just like how he yeah, says man. that it's the first time his uh, voice like cracks when he says bullshit and I think it's one of the first times he curses on the album and it's a it's a I think it's a great moment probably my favorite moment on the entire album that very small statement he makes uh, on yes I'm changing but yeah it's a it's a fucking great album yeah I think my favorite lyric um, is probably in reality in motion um, there's that moment that interlude sort of in the middle where he says it made my heart turn in circles and overflow, and he just kind of whispers it. Oh, right, right. Um, but it's it's like this. It's like very like '60s again, like kind of like this throwback kind of sunflower vibe. And it's like, I don't know how like what mix of like chemicals you throw in to make this sound as as spot on as it does, but um, just impressive. Like from an from like a an architectural standpoint, how did you build this thing? You know, it's right, like right. every every track yeah, is like yeah. so like it fits together, but it's so different. Like you think about that track versus like. Uh, because because I'm a man, um, you think about oh, it. Right. They just yeah. they all like sort of fit together on this album, but they're all like th- like different landscapes, you know. Yeah, like because because I'm a man got this like really slow like lumbering beat at the beginning, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. pretty actually pretty incredible how different each beat is. I'm like looking like like thinking on the beats right now in my mind. I'm like, yeah, very different, very very different. It's one of those albums, and again, this is like going to send our hipster index off the charts, where um, it's like uh, Meriwether Post Pavilion. It's like one of yeah. those albums where I feel like I'm going to be able to come back to this, like no matter what time in my life, I want to listen to it and just be like, I'm going to get some value out of it. Yeah. Um, it's just like one of those albums that is this strange, like crystalline time. Yeah. I, I was actually thinking of putting this, uh, like this is definitely going to be in my top 10 for the year. Um, and it, it's something I still go back to. Like I still have... Yes, I'm changing because uh, I'm a man in reality and motion. Like on repeat every week, I'm listening to it at least once. Um, I mean, the, the songs, I I didn't like the closer. I felt the closing of the album was pretty weak. Uh, New Person, Same Old Six. Yeah, I think like it was it was an interesting choice as a closer. I'm not sure it was the strongest like closer to that sort of album. But like I like the fact like it has a sort of like strange kind of like it's almost like an Indian Persian like uh, beat to it. Like I was like, it almost made me think of like the animated Aladdin movie. Yeah. I was like, what is this? Like, this is just like this, like it, it added to like the strangeness of like all of these different, like, like you said, radically different beats juxtaposed, but somehow fitting together. But I agree with you. Like, it seemed like it was sort of like a, a declining, um, like it was, it didn't end on like a boom. It ended on like this sort of like waning sound. Right. Um, a little bit. Right. Right. 
Um, the album cover is kind of weird too. I never figured out what the hell it was. I love that album cover. That was like one of the things that like immediately like I, I fixated on. I'm like, this is like, it's like, what I don't know what it, it is, man. It's like, it's like, well, it looks like it's like a pinball inside of like some crazy corduroy pants, dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that are like, that are having some quantum effect. It's all quantum, dude. It's all quantum. Quantum. Yeah, dude. Non-location, non whatever. <laughs> we got to have our boy, we got to have our boy Deepak come on at some quantum, point. Quantum con uh, consciousness, right? Yeah. That's what that's it is. It. That's what it is. <laughs> Deepak will come on and educate us. It's that non-duality stuff, you know? Yeah. It's the dual non-duality. <laughs> yeah, right. Dual, dual non-dual. Oh, man. Okay, kicking it back to you for your number one. Number one. Uh, you already know what it is, dude. You already know what <laughs> it is. You already know what it is, dude. I have to give it number one. Number one last year. Number one the previous year. <laughs> Actually, I'm not <laughs> number sure. Number one true. all time. Uh, might be, dude. Uh, I can't say enough good things about this group, Death Grips. I was pretty devastated when they broke up. So, I mean, if people don't know Death Grips experimental uh, rap punk trio uh, out from the West Coast. Nihil nihilist aficionados. Yeah. Well, maybe. I don't know about that. Um, maybe. Post-nihilism? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. They're on their own own level, dude. There's some next level stuff going on with Death Grips. Uh, and like I've been – I listened to these guys when their first mixtape dropped and they were like getting into the um, music sub-underground, you know, subculture. People are like, oh, listen to Death Grips. It's like very much out there. And it was very, very out there. Um, and I just kept listening to them and every single album they put out. Because this is what happens with most experimental music. They Most experimental bands, they got one trick, right? Black metal, you got one trick. Post-punk, hardcore, you got one trick. And that trick, you hear it for the first time, you might enjoy it. And then, yeah, that's about it. They got nothing else. Um, they got nothing else in their sleeves. And Death Grips, like... Speaking of what's up their you, sleeves. So when you say nothing else in their sleeves, what do you mean? You mean like one sort of audio trick, like auditory trick in well, terms of like yeah. how they – Just like the sound. Like what, like the experimental artists might get a claim to fame of bringing some new sound or delivery into the music landscape and they get a claim for that. And people love it. They jump on the bad bandwagon and they, 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 and they stick with it. And then they just ride that trick – Till they die, right? Until they put out the next album, the next till album. Till they die, album. till they perish from this <laughs> earth. <laughs> Ride or die, dude. And Death Grips are, are not, they got plenty of things up their sleeves. And I mean, if anyone's listened to Death Grips, the first song on the powers that be is up their sleeves. Uh, you know, <laughs> like they got a lot of stuff up their sleeves and they keep showing it off with each of these lists, uh, each of these album releases. So, number one, powers that be. Uh, I've listened to it like at least over 700 times. <laughs> like that should say this enough year? alone. Yeah. This year. Wow. Like, uh, let's do some math there. So it's been like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, ten, it's like nine months into the year. Yeah. Uh, when did it, when did the album get released? Uh, like, I actually don't remember. Like February, I think, something like that. That's at least like two to three times a day, is it not? Yeah, dude. Well, not the entire album, like 700 listens, right? So okay. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I've listened to like 700 songs from this album uh, throughout the year. And it's, it's hard to encapsulate my love for these guys. Like, I went to their... Uh, live show. So I've been I've been looking to go to a live show for like three years. And the thing about Death Grips, and this is you part, are so excited. Yeah, dude. Part of their aesthetic and why people like them is that they live their brand, right? Like they don't give a they don't give a fuck, dude. They just they're completely apathetic. They do what they want, and they're controlled by really uh, the powers that be. They just do what they want to do. Wait, but is it controlled by the? Do you mean like 
like all of us are controlled by the powers that be? Or do you mean like there are That's... different powers that be that control them? Well, I mean. <laughs> or do you mean like their animal impulses are the powers that be and they're just like channeling this? Yeah. I'm trying to figure out like where, like what the, like, because in the way that like you have been, yeah, you've been like on death grips for a while. And like, yeah. I think there's an interesting like there's like this punk, there's this paranoia, there's like definitely this vibe to them that's really cool, but there's like something deeper there, right? Oh, absolutely. Like the, absolutely. Like, the, the, like otherwise you would not be listening 700 times. Uh, yeah, no, I mean this is the main thing is that a lot of people talk – like most of the themes of Death Grips, most albums in a nutshell of Death Grips are talking about isolation, alienation, extreme paranoia uh, with a, like a dissatisfaction with – uh, the world we live in, whether it be the media uh, and advertising and even technology, um, and also a strong strain of like fighting back and being your own person and leading your own life, but coming with that, this intense struggle of suicidality as well, right? These guys are very aggressive and they're very much on the edge all the time. And these are not new themes in music. Nothing of Nothing in this is new in the experimental world, in the emo world, in the punk world. But the issue I have with all these other artists in those worlds are you listen to an emo band, right? And you get the sense these guys are rebelling for a time. You know, they got like, they got bullied in school. You know, they didn't get what they wanted with their parents and they're fighting back and they're yelling about this. And that's about it. Uh, with Death Grips, why I love them so much, it's it's so much more than that. And the authenticity runs deeper. You, you get the sense that MC Ride feels this alienation to his very core, right to his bones, right? You can't produce this music if you don't feel that way. And the emo bands you see in the punk bands that rap uh, that sing about uh, about di- similar topics, it just feels half-assed, right? So it feels like it's like temporally bounded. It's like these guys only feel this or like circumstantially bounded. It's like they only feel this for a certain amount of time or under these circumstances. It's not like you don't feel like it goes deep. It's right. like at their You rate. get the sense that either they grow out of it or it's forced or they don't truly feel this or they're putting up an act, right? There's always so this. Can, sl- let me pose a question to you. Yeah. If they put a dick on the cover of their albums, would you feel differently? <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, like, there, there's something to be said that a lot of people jump on Death Grips because the antics I'm talking about, like, these guys, as you just said, really weird album covers. They do weird shit. Like, they show up to shows and don't even, like, they don't, they don't show up to shows and just, like, don't play. They, like, release albums. Uh, and Sounds like Das Racist. Sounds a little bit, yeah, a little bit like Dash Races, but a little bit more aggressive, dude. Like they signed, with, they signed with Epic Records uh, and like just released the album and didn't give a shit. And like even like their the the way they interact with their fans, like it, there's no pretenses there. They're not trying to show off. They're not trying to appease me or any other fan. They're doing what they want to do. And I think that's where their power comes from. Is these guys are most definitely in an extremely dark place most of the time when they're making music, and which yeah. is why I find this newest album pretty amazing uh the powers that be and and you you hit it uh, like the nail on the head earlier when you're talking about how they're appealing to the animalistic desires and and they're controlled by quote unquote the powers that be and what mc ride is really advocating throughout the powers that be which is two albums by the way so the first one is uh ninjas on the moon not going to say the n-word unless ozzy's on and the second album uh is jenny death both very different the first album pure electronics with bjork uh, layered on top. It's really fucking weird. And Wait, did Bjork like is? Did she co-sign this or no? They just, no, like, no. Sample Bjork. They just sample Bjork, but Bjork loves oh, so them. That would be like the cross of the century, right there. Yeah, Bjork loves them. Like Bjork tweeted, "It's like I, I love Death Grips. I think they're probably one of those fascinating artists of our time," which I agree with. 
And then the second album is Jenny Death, which is what was released this year, which closed out the Powers That Be, which was more uh, more grand, uh, a lot more guitar and So how long do you think rock. it is before Taylor Swift invites Death Grips on stage <laughs> like she has with other artists? Dude, I, I don't know if that'll ever happen. Well, this is the thing. Death Grips claims that they're broken up, right? And who knows if that's true? That's the other thing, right? Because these guys like taking everyone uh, on a ride, really. Uh, and, and that's M- what keeps MC them interesting. ride. Yeah, right. That's what keeps them interesting. Um, so Powers That Be, like... Then most most of the album talks about MC Ride is like seeing through uh, the illusion of uh, most people's lives, and he's like people are being controlled. Well, what does by that other- mean? Like it's like how yeah. can you see through? Like like does he mean like the illusion of the average life? Like how do you see through the, the illusion of most people's lives? Like what yeah. is that? Seems very pretentious. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, I, I, there's an, another caveat to this is I don't claim to understand what he's saying. Right, this is my interpretation on his lyrics, and I think. Since they're sometimes very, like, odd lyrics and there's, like, a, kind of, like, just sift through the web of what he's saying to apply your own meaning to it, this might be completely off base. But there's songs on here like Inanimate Sensation and even the title track, The Powers That Be, uh, where he closes off The Powers That Be with a monologue where he feels that people nowadays are distracted by materialistic goods and he say he's telling them to... You guys are, are basically just a bunch of, you know, dolls walking around in life while I am appealing and, and b- being more human by doing what I want. And you can't tell what I'm going to do because I'm controlled by the powers that be. And by being completely free and living in the present moment with the powers that be, I am the next track, Beyond Alive, and I'm completely free, more so than any of you guys are. Um, that's kind of the strain of thought in this album. He's trying to So it's like is it it's power through realization, through acceptance of like the such like this crate like whatever oppression, whatever situation the powers that be are forcing upon us. Like it's like this acceptance slash rebellion sim- like simultaneously. Yeah, it- it's more of um I've accepted the powers that be and that there can be external powers that be that control whatever's going on in my life or uh, the variables I can't control. There are those powers that be and there are internal powers that be that drive my, you know, uh, all my uh, core human desires, right? Um, and I can't control those powers that be. So there's always a sense that since this is where the aggression comes out in most of the albums, and this is why it comes so powerfully in the last album, he's like, I can't control my aggression. This is a power in me that you need to be fearful of, right? I don't know what I'm going to do. And he actually says that. I, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. Uh, and you get the, you get the sense that he probably don't like this guy is crazy <laughs> like Memsey Wright is fucking batshit crazy. Um, I mean, if if you can articulate that in a way that doesn't sound contrived, and that's, right. that's I can see why that's compelling. That's the power, right? I think th- I can't do a good enough job. You know, coming from my mouth, it might still sound pretentious, but with the another power of Death Grips music is with the uh, the actual instrumentation, right? These are destructive beats, right? This is not just. Uh, you know, post-punk guitars and hardcore rock guitars. This is like very weird and like uh, Frankenstein beats that are influenced by industrial music and punk music. With that, along with MC Ride's vocal delivery, which is just this really pained, anguish delivery, it feels more believable. Uh, so even when he is might be saying quote-unquote cheesy lyrics that might feel pretentious, you get the sense like I can, I can trust him. Uh, he is really speaking from the heart and he feels whatever he's saying to his bone, uh, to his bones, which I like quite a bit. Uh, but then the, the album changes, and it, it um, like you got Beyond Alive, and then you got uh, Centuries of Dam, which again he's talking about 
um, his lover hate love and hate relationship with the world, uh, which he, he has these great lyrics. He's like, like I, uh, he's like, I hate your, uh, I hate your laws. I hate your faux touch, uh, but I love you at the same time. It's like, what? Amster right, you don't make no sense. Uh, so he's like really weird lyrics, but then he closes out the album uh, with two songs, uh, which are actually pretty devastatingly sad. Like the, the second to last song on GP, uh, and it stands for on general principle, principle, is in the entire discography of Death Grips, it's where I feel MC Ride is really revealing his true self, right? With all of this, this persona he's developed of being hyper-aggressive, purely controlled by his, his core animalistic desires, with all of this, even though he still feels in the back of the mind, in the back of his mind, he's free and in a different plane of existence than others, um, he still has a lot of internal struggles. Uh, and the whole, you know, the whole song is about, you know, his internal struggles with suicide. Um, and it it just sounds like this guy, he, he's not making this up, right? Like this guy is, is, is going through some yeah. pretty hard shit and he's singing about it and it's very believable. And then he closes that song into an instrumental track, which closes the entire album. So with that, with pretty game-changing uh, instrumentals, I think in experimental music generally, plus the vocal delivery, plus the lyrics, which have a theme throughout all the albums, right? I think it's a fucking landmark album. I think if you can withstand initially the force and like slightly desensitize yourself to the abrasiveness, uh, if you sit and listen to the lyrics and understand the mindset one has to be in to produce this type of music, it's extremely powerful. Would you say that um, a listener has to have like what what familiarity should they have with their prior like the prior stuff in their discography? Like, can you go to this album like fresh, or do you have, should you like listen to the other stuff first? I think you can go into it fresh. I think that um, the first half of the album, um, uh, NOTM Ninjas on the Moon, that's a tougher listen. It's pretty like schizophrenic beats and stuff, and there's not um, a tremendous amount of coherence to it. But this latter half of the album that came out this year, Jenny Death. Uh, that you can just put on and enjoy. And it's actually probably the easiest listen than all of their other albums. Like it's a lot more guitars that are more familiar in tone to most listeners. So that you can, you can do that uh, pretty easily. Well, I'll cue it up, man. Yeah. I think I've been meaning to like actually do like a real, like I listened to, which one had like, um, I've seen footage on it. That track. Uh, the Money Store. I listened to The Money Store like once or twice. Again, like I don't feel like I actually like, was able to dive into it per se. Yeah. So like, I'll give this one, I'll give this one a, a real listen. Yeah, man. I love it. We'll, like I was pretty, I was then pretty we'll see, sad. We'll see if I feel up. it. I'll, if I feel, you gotta MC feel Ride that dude. Feel in, the, his, in his bones is, is <laughs> talking about this stuff. Feel the power. It sounds compelling. Be, man. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I, I can't think of any art, any other artist right now that, um, makes similar music. Right. And that's one other part of the appeal. Um, it's like, these are the only guys I, I know of that are making music like this. And well, they're not making any more, sadly. But so top three on each side, we got it down. Top three, man, got it down. Any uh, honorable? Is there is there music? Go ahead. Sorry. Any honorable mentions? Honorable mentions. Um, I think Kendrick's album, of yeah. course, has to be honorable mention. <laughs> yeah. Um, can't can't let that one slide. I don't know how I totally forgot. It. Again, it was like one of those things where I listened to it. And I'm like, this is great. Then I just never revisited it. So it was like, that was that was the reason why I didn't make the list. Um, Kendrick's album for sure. I'd say that was, that's the big one. What about you? Uh, the new Church's album. Uh, I haven't listened to that yet. Dude, yeah, it came out just a few days ago. Real good. Real catchy. Like, Church's is fucking awesome. 
Yeah, they uh, hit like a very music. like particular like strand of catchiness that is like like sort of like it's like it's hard to deconstruct exactly all the pieces of it, but it's like it's very unique. It's like, well, like these guys are catchy in like this synthy way that like yeah, there's synthy catchy stuff all over the place, yeah. but like not like this. Not like this. Know? It's like really crisp uh I think what makes it good is like they have really crisp drums in all of their production. I don't know, that's my theory, is that the crisp drums bring out bring it out. But like when I'm thinking of like, oh, man, I want to some, like, nice, catchy, like, electro pop or synth or anything in that genre. Like, my mind's like, let's listen to churches. And now I add – I have a bunch more songs to go to with this new album. Nothing, like, outstanding, but it's very – it's, like, a similar sound to their old album. But all of the songs are just, like, kind of fun. They each have their own sections to it that are good to listen to. So I'd say that. And then the other album I'm really fucking looking forward to is uh, Deaf Heaven's new album. It's on NPR right now. Uh, but I, I I listened to it on the uh, NPR uh, pre-release and it sounded pretty good, but it's not out yet. It's uh, the only thing I have queued up right now, which is a like a throwback. Is um, I just love the name of this artist, Glasses Malone. Glasses Malone, I don't heard Glasses of that. Malone, dude, rapper from Compton. Oh, nice. Um, like was was around like in the '90s, still around, but uh, I just heard him on the Brilliant Idiots podcast, so I'm like, I gotta listen to Glasses Malone. I like this guy's cover art. Dude, number one, number one song from Glasses Malone, Thuggin. Thuggin, dude. <laughs> Keeping it simple. We talked about all this intricate stuff. Thuggin. Yeah. What else? Oh, the Battles album was pretty great. Lottie Dottie. Well, I, re- I haven't listened to that yet either. Yeah, really good. Cute up. Little math rock album. Uh, it's kind of fun to listen to. But yeah, I mean, that, I mean, there's nothing. I don't know if there's anything else on my radar outside of that. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way you do about like I, I think I've been dipping into prior years music a lot more than I thought I would this year. Yeah. Like still listening to a lot of stuff from the past, but who knows? Like you said, there's some releases slated for the last couple months of 2015. So we'll see, man. We'll see. Music, music, music conversation done. Music on lock, dude. Music on lock. Listen up. Yo, we need to get, these guys need to give us some royalties, man. We're going to drive so many listeners to them. So many plays, dude. I know <laughs> so they're getting fractions plays. of a penny. <laughs> Through these streaming services, but yeah. you can get fractions <laughs> of a fraction of a penny sent our way, right? Yeah. I mean, we got to do a subscriber recap. We got we got a handful of subscribers now. We do. I mean, start with three, go to five, pretty soon you're not like a million. That's exp- – I'm seeing exponential growth, dude. Exponential growth. I mean, we, could, we should have one of those Jeff Bezos charts where there's no labels on the axes. Yeah. Show like a, <laughs> right. I'm all about those types of charts. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think we got a, got a handful of listeners. I mean, like now we, we got a Tumblr site up coming up. We're going to start. Tumblr. So like Squarespace, if you want to throw us a free site, we'll go to Squarespace. But yeah, I mean, yeah. we're getting some subscribers. Have we got any guests coming up? Any guests? We got to think about who the first guest will be. This is going to be a very prized spot. So, um, but I think, I think yeah, in the next couple episodes, we should definitely have a guest on. It's low threshold, man. We're not, we're not picky. <laughs> we just want. Not yet. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, yeah, maybe that's, 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 a, that's a good marketing system, marketing place. Like, you, if Viral you had, marketing. You ever wanted to be on a podcast? All you got to do is listen to this podcast. <laughs> like, <laughs> then you could be on the podcast. You can be on the podcast, right? You can listen to like 14 people, 14 subscribers. That's, that's a handful. That's good. The When I will be satisfied, I think our goal was 50 subscribers by the end of the year, right? Was it? Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, I'll be satisfied yeah. when we see a subscriber that we know for certain is not a bot. And it's completely yes, outside. This is key. And it's completely like four degrees of separation away. We don't know that, right? That'll be killer. These bots are getting good though, man. I don't know if we'll ever truly know if these people are not bots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that Again, one looked they, pretty legit. 
uh, I had like multiple likes. I was posting and stuff. Like, you know who you are. You know who you yeah, are. Yeah. Skynet, you know it. <laughs> yeah, if you're out there, you know who you are. Yeah. Um, you been pl- I guess we can close out. You've been playing any games this past week? Uh, no, dude. I've been... Uh, well, I actually got back to um, Diablo. Um, really? Surprisingly. Yeah, well, I saw, I saw Mango and a couple other people playing, and they updated a bunch of shit in it, right? Like... Um, they added in like Diablo three was a pretty bad release, horrible release. Yeah. And Diablo two was one of my favorite games of all time, and I was hyped for Diablo three. And when it came out, they made like some pretty terrible design decisions. One of the major ones was being this auction house where you could trade items for money, real money, right? And gold in the game. And what happened was Diablo is a game where you're you have to get the best item, and most people were just spending money and living in the auction house, which ruined. The itemization is just ruined fundamental issue, fundamental design uh, in the game. So they removed that, and now they're picking up the pieces and trying to repair some stuff. And they've done a decent enough job. They've repaired some of the major issues with the game, but they still have, I think, a, a long way to go. I still think some of the core tenants are broken. But even with that, like the main problem of being not enough items and a low drop rate, that's been fixed. So I got back into it, um, and because the new ladder season started and playing, and it's fun. And like the the animations of Diablo 3 are spot on. Like, I think they're better than any other action RPG out there. Uh, and now finally... It's one of those games that I've gotten really close to playing several times, but I still, still have not bought it. Yeah, and like, and then I actually recommend buying it. Like, if you buy it, like, it's kind of fun to play with friends, honestly. Uh, get, like, new items and, like, talk about the items you're getting. It's cool. Um, I don't know how long I'll stick with it because uh, I'm worried that I'll get addicted to it and I'll, I'll want to grind more items and items and it's just, like, a never-ending thing. And like whenever – what happens with these RPGs that I play, it's like I'll play it. I'll get addicted for like two weeks and I'll like get the best items and then I'll feel so disgusted with the amount of time I spent that I'll delete it and like regret it. <laughs> and like I have a, I have a feeling that's no going to happen. No regrets, man. I have a feeling no that's going to happen again. So I'm trying to avoid that. But um, uh, yeah, that's all I've been playing so far this past couple of days. Good stuff. I beat Metal Gear Solid 3. Damn, dude. It was good. It was a good game. I think I agree with the – with the common consensus that it's probably the best standalone story. I'm getting closer, man. I think um, our friend Charles is going to hook me up with a PS3 so I can play MGS4. I uh, watched the trailer for 5. Uh, looks so good. Um, just just need to continue so you're, you're on. you're going to get Charles' uh, PS, uh, PS3 for the uh, MGS4? Yeah, so it looks like um, I'm, I'm going to get the PS3 from Charles, and I'm going to get the copy of MGS4 uh, from, from another friend, that might happen inter it might be like an intercontinental handoff. So while I'm in England, like he's gonna be coming from DC, we might do the handoff, come back to California, have the PS3 here. You know, it's it's a pretty coordinated exercise to get MGS four and a PS3. <laughs> you gotta do together. what you gotta do. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. Play that MGS, dude. This is this is like this is like a top secret foxhound mission to get this thing done. Well, I mean it's lining up that, you know, by the time the holidays roll around, it's MGS five time and we all gotta Get PS4s and play MGS5. So, so, question: If you if you were good, if you're going to get this game, would you play the single player? And if so, would you watch the movies of the previous games? Like, how would you like how would you feel going into a game that you know has this crazy storyline? If you were just gonna, or would you just not even play the single player at all? Um, well, MGS5, the multiplayer appeals to me more. But since you're talking about the single player so much, what I'd probably do is I'd do the YouTube video stuff that you did and the Wikipedia. Yeah articles uh and just maybe read some forum posts it's a deep well man it's a deep uh, yeah. well. <laughs> so we'll see how long that takes right and then after i'm done with that i'll just jump right into mgs5 single player i, I don't want to play the older games like i'm like 
I'm a, I'm a graphics whore, and I'm like, I'm not. I don't want to. My eyes can't handle that, dude. I want that 1080p, that high res textures. Like I can't watch no. There is a certain. There's a certain. I, I will stuff. say, I, I watched the first game, played the second and third. There is something that I think you lose by not playing them. I think the first one is probably easy to skip because it was it's hella old at this point, in 1997. But two and three, I mean, there's like just little, just little Kojima glimmers all throughout it. But yeah, I mean, like. It's like it's all about like relative cost, right? If you if you want to do other things, it's probably okay just to watch it on YouTube. Yeah. So again, thanks uh, thanks to our sponsors. Uh, we got yes, sir. Blue Moon Brewing Company by Superfruit. Thanks, y'all. Superfruits. If you know, send us superfruits. Yes, yeah, we'll eat some, them. Send us superfruit, dude. Uh, we, superfruit company. Send us be. some superfruits. Hashtag Centrum Silver. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Hope this is the one I'm supposed to be taking. Yeah. Uh, and good job, Starbucks Press, dude. Marketing. You got that uh, refresher drink. Still no love for you pat- from my end, Starbucks, for shutting down La Boulange again. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> you got you got you got some love hate going on here. Poor Starbucks, man. But yeah, I mean, music cast, man. Music for life, man. Are we gonna get this? Top ten. Music is music is a good thing. Music is a great thing, man. I enjoy music. I enjoy music. I hope our listeners enjoy music too. I hope you know what I really hope. I hope we turn on our listeners to some different music, right? You know, stuff you might not have heard of, like Drake. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's another thing, right? Like, I mean, like, like what is uh, what are, what are the kids listening to nowadays? I'm, I'm pulling up the top uh, top albums of the year. What are the charts looking like? Top fifty. Let's see Spotify. What you got for me? Let me pull this bad boy up. Uh, I think this it's is not going to show that new Future and Drake mixtape because it's uh, Apple Music exclusive. Oh, really? Oh, shit. It is. Yeah, I got to. That's another reason to move over to Apple Music. All right. Oh, Drake number one. Then we got The Weeknd. Then we got Justin Bieber. Yo, these songs made an appearance. We, we talked about Jay Biebs. What do you mean? What, yeah, what do you mean, though? What a timeless question. What do you mean? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it just repeats that shit. Ellie Goulding, Drake, Drake. Dude, Drake is all over this. That's what I'm saying, man. The guy has constructed himself into this monster. Back to back, which is one of his songs. He is back to back on this list. That's the disc that's the diss track. Oh yeah. Oh right. That's, right, right, that's right. the second diss track. And Ed Sheeran. Yeah, everyone's over. It's just Drake, dude. Drake's like Drake Day. 20 of these top 50. That's crazy. Well, at least we turn people on to, you know, Little Sofia, Death Grips, and Kamasi Impala, which is probably, I mean, these, I know these bands would probably struggle without our, without our plug in. <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, Death Grips maybe, like, Death Grips has a very vocal. <laughs> Death Grips might actually be in trouble. 